This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. If you would, turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. We've been in a series looking at the miracles of the New Testament, learning the principles, the patterns of these miracles, how to apply them to our lives, to see prayer answered, to see healing, to see provision. And we come to a phenomenal, outstanding miracle of Jesus today. Mark 5, beginning in verse 1, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now this, this area was a region south, southeast of the Sea of Galilee and east of the Jordan in the area of the Decapolis. And it was called the Decapolis because it was an area made up of 10 cities that were very cosmopolitan, very heavily influenced by Greek culture and filled predominantly with Gentiles. So this is the area where they were headed to. And this is a reminder, as we see so many times, particularly in the Gospel of Luke, how Jesus would go out of his way to minister to those in need. And one of the things that's astounding is if you read through the Gospels, going back to the days of Jericho, after God gave Joshua a great miracle and the walls of Jericho fell, Joshua pronounced a curse over the city of Jericho. That cursed be the man and cursed be his firstborn who rebuilds the walls of this city. And a man later did that at the cost of his firstborn son's life. So Jericho was known for being a cursed place. And as we'll see in several miracles coming up, Jesus would often go out of his way to go and to minister to people in, outside, or in the city of Jericho. So it's wonderful to see how Jesus would go out of his way to do that. Verse 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit. Some translations say unclean spirit. And early on in this series, when we dealt with a miracle that had to do with Jesus setting someone who was demon-possessed free, I pointed out, how does someone get or pick up or come under the influence or how is someone possessed by an unclean spirit? You come under the influence or you pick up an unclean spirit by going to unclean places, doing unclean things, hanging out with unclean people. Now we're going to see in this instance this was an extreme example of someone heavily under the power and the oppression and the possession of Satan. And this doesn't happen overnight. Just this weekend, my father rehearsed to me that 
One of the early times Lester Sumrall came and visited the church, on one occasion, he asked my parents what they would like him to minister on. And my mom rehearsed to Dr. Sumrall a message that she had heard and had always stuck with her, entitled, Seven Steps to Demon Possession. And so that, that night, the Sunday evening service, he, he got up and said, I'm going to speak on Seven Steps to Demon Possession. And all of those messages by Dr. Summerall are on the app, and that message is actually on the app. My point is, someone doesn't get into this situation overnight. And as I dealt with previously, when we dealt with an example of Jesus setting a demon-possessed person free, if you're born again, if you're saved, Satan cannot fill or indwell a place where the Spirit of God is. A born-again Christian can come under the influence of Satan or a demonic spirit. They can be oppressed by a demonic spirit, but they cannot be possessed. And we, we have to walk a fine line on this. I heard recently about some drama going on, some gossip going on. You just need to zip your lips. That's not the devil. They're like, uh-oh, I had no idea he was going to head down this road. Not everything's the devil, and not everything's God. Now, is there such a thing as demon possession? Yes. And what we do in our society is we, we, we drug people to where they, they don't even know where they are. They don't even know what's going on. But that doesn't change the fact that there are some things that are the devil. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit, an unclean spirit, came from the tombs to meet him. So he, he was living in the tombs. He was living in a graveyard. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. Now, if a man was living in a graveyard, he would not be well-fed. He would not be well-nourished. Well so picture a weak man. Picture an emaciated man. Picture a, a man who looks like he's been stranded on a desert island somewhere. That kind of man with supernatural, unexplainable strength. Verse 3, no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. Now, as I pointed out just a minute ago, but an earlier message in this series, in our society, we, we drug people to where they don't even know who they are. They don't even know what's going on. Someone could, for instance, be in a car accident, be injured and be mentally incapacitated. That has nothing to do with the devil per se. But there is such a thing as demon possession. And there are signs, there is evidence of demonic influence and possession. And we see those here in Mark 5, and I'm going to give them to you. Signs and evidence of demonic influence, in this case, possession. And what are they? An unhealthy fascination or obsession with the dead, in this case, someone living in the tombs 
or a graveyard. That's not God. That, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the devil. And when someone, whether young or old, heads down a road of being fascinated with the dead and things having to do with the dead, that, that's not God. That is the devil. And, you know, you, you may just not be dialed into reality, but there, there is music that is demonic. There are ways of dressing that are demonic. And so when someone has an unhealthy fascination with the dead and things that have to do with the dead, that's not of God, that is the devil. And this is why as Christians, we don't have any business being anywhere near someone that tries to talk to the spirits of the dead. Amen. You want to know where Uncle Joe, the great sinner, is right now? He's in hell. Can't, you can't talk to him. He's in hell. So when someone stops at some place the, on the highway or a bad part of town and someone's going to read their poems or do a tarot card reading or whatever it is, then they're talking to devils. They're not talking to uh, Aunt Sally or whoever it is. So several signs of and evidence of demonic influence and possession. The first, an unhealthy fascination or obsession with the dead. In this case, someone living in the tombs or a graveyard. The next one, unexplainable physical strength that is supernatural in origin. I told you the story a few months ago. We were at home, kids were playing, and I'm not sure what Emily was doing, but before we knew it, she had pulled one of the, our wooden dining room table chairs right under, and it hit her, hit her right on the square of the nose. It did not sound good. And then when I picked her up, was trying to calm her down, I heard her breathe through her nose. I thought, oh my goodness. So you know, we, we prayed. But again, she's a little girl. We want her nose to look right. And so we, we took her to have checked out just to make sure everything was okay. And you know how it goes. You, you, you check in, you wait, because they're going to charge you. I know that. And all, all that time goes by, and then they tell you, well, when they're this little, it's just soft cartilage, and as bad as it looks, as bad as it sounds, she's okay. Well, you could have told me that when we got here. <laughs> That's not the, way it, not the way it works. But when we were leaving Cook's Children in downtown Fort Worth that night, as we were walking out, I could tell their, their, their police security were on a high state of alert. They, they were mobilizing, getting all their gear. And then I could see a commotion outside with the Fort Worth police. And then there was a man, some would say, out of his mind. But the way he was walking, the way he was screaming, the, the deep guttural sounds he was making, this was not just somebody on drugs. This was somebody possessed of a devil. And it took not just one or two officers, it took several squad cars, it took a whole group, a whole team of officers, big men, to subdue this guy. Well, that's somebody that has a devil. And our society denies these things, and as our society denies these things, we head further and further into the gutter. So another sign and evidence of demonic influence and possession unexplainable physical strength that is supernatural in origin. Again, a guy living in the graveyards, skinny, weak, emaciated, not well-fed, but supernatural strength, breaking chains, breaking irons on his feet. Another sign or evidence of demonic possession is somebody with uncontrollable 
physical passions. In this case, screaming. It's been well documented, even in the New York Times, which they don't typically tell the truth about anything. But with the lockdowns the past few years, and young people spending more and more time on social media, and young people on apps like TikTok, there has been an explosion of cases, particularly among young girls, of young girls with uncontrollable tics and things like Tourette's. Well, how, how does somebody view and watch things and then they don't have a problem and then they do have a problem? Doors are being opened. Again, if you go and look at unclean things, if you watch unclean things put out by unclean people, it opens a door. And so a sign or an evidence of demonic influence, in this case possession, is somebody with uncontrollable physical passions. In this case, screaming. Screaming is not of God. Screaming is not of the Holy Spirit. Screaming is not worshipful. You know, Pastor Sue is so wonderful. She does so many wonderful things. And one of her special ministries is whenever there's a screamer, that, that's one of uh, those things that we ask Pastor Sue to take care of. A few years ago, during worship, it would be during the slow song, just worshipful people worshiping the Lord. And a lady would scream, that's not the Lord. That, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's, if it scares everybody and freaks everybody out, that's not worshipful. And so, Pastor Sue, would you nicely talk to this lady? Would you tell her that's not worshipful? That's not the Lord. At best, that's the flesh. Keep the flesh under, don't do that. And so Pastor Sue talked to her, but she persisted. Well, it's not God. It's not godly. And so Pastor Sue talked to her, grace and mercy, one or two more times. And finally, the lady made it clear she wasn't going to stop screaming. But Pastor Sue told her, you need to go somewhere else. Well, that's when there was a change. And that's when another spirit was revealed. And the lady got angry. Well, see, that tells you it's not God. Amen. It's not godly. It is not the Lord. So another sign or evidence of demonic influence, in this case possession, is uncontrollable physical urges, in this case screaming. And then we come to another one that has to be dealt with in 2023. Verse 5, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out. And then, again, this is why you need your own Bible to look in your Bible to see it with your eyes. Verse 5. And what would he do? He would cut himself. He would harm himself with stones. Another sign or evidence of demonic influence. In this case, possession is self-harm. In this case, wanting to hurt oneself. In this case, cutting oneself. It's not God. It's not godly. It's not righteous. I remember the first time I became aware of this. I was a student at TCU, and one of the classes, there was a young girl, and she, she would always wear long sleeves. She'd always wear long dresses. And then you, over time, you get to know people. It was because she cut herself. Well, as I got to know her, her background found out that she came from Oregon, very liberal area, but that in Oregon, she had gotten into Wiccan and bona fide real witchcraft. 
Now, I know there are people think, sitting here thinking none of that goes on today. Again, the New York Times, of all places, did an article in the last year or two on the teen witches of TikTok and how young people through social media are exploring witchcraft and the casting of spells. So this young lady knew at TCU, there where she grew up, she had gotten influenced by paganism, had gotten into witchcraft. Yes, literally where they dress up and go out into the woods at night. You're opening the doors to devils. And so any spirit that would influence someone to hurt themselves, to harm themselves, to cut oneself, that's not God. Amen. That's not the Holy Spirit that is the devil. Now here's what I believe. No matter what someone's problem is, Jesus is the answer. Amen. And I, I know this. Whatever the problem is, if you say, Lord, I desire to be free, just like he set this man free in Mark 5, you can be set free today. Because Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to do five steps. You don't have to do 10 steps. All you have to say is, Jesus, help me. And he will. We live in a generation that hates God. There is an antichrist spirit loose in America today. And part of that antichrist spirit includes a hatred for God and a hatred for what God has made. A hatred for men and women made in the image of God. And with that, a hatred of self, a hatred for one's own physical body, and a hatred for what God has made. And how do we see that being manifested in American culture today? With self-harm and with people wanting to mutilate, maim, and change what has been made in the image of God. And now they're doing it to children. And it is demonic. I said it is demonic. Verse 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil or unclean spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. So he ran, he fell on his knees in front of Jesus. This man wanted help. He wanted freedom. He, he wanted deliverance. See, the, the, the devil influences people to go further and further down the road of sin, but there's something within us that wants to be free. But that's why, as we tell the young people all the time, you can't open wrong doors, because wrong doors open the door to wrong influences. And people with drugs and other things can get so heavy under the influence, the human spirit becomes so subdued. They can't cry out for freedom. He cried out, he wanted to be free. Praise God, Jesus still sets the captives free today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He shouted at the top of his voice. Now, this is not the man, but the demon speaking through him. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? So you read the gospels, honestly, you see right at the very beginning, the demons know and the, the demons identify who Jesus is. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. 
Why'd they say this? Their day is coming. There's coming a day when Satan will be thrown into the abyss for a thousand years. Won't be able to tempt and lead people astray. Then after that, there'll be one last rebellion. And then Satan and every devil will be thrown into the lake of fire. Their day is coming. But in the meantime, they are stealing, killing, and destroying, and wrecking and ruining the lives of men and women. What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. So in this instance, the demons did not immediately obey. This was not the man speaking, but the demons inside the man who had possessed him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. Now, a legion was a division in the Roman military made up of 6,000 troops. And again, as I, as I mentioned at the very beginning, you don't go from A to Z overnight. This man was not possessed by legion overnight. We don't know how. We don't know the circumstances. But the apostle Paul put it this way, the wages of sin, it is death. And if you head down the wrong road, things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Jesus spoke of the fact that when someone is set free by the Son of God, the devils leave. But they go through dry and arid places. And there comes a time when they will return to see if that house is open to them once more. And Jesus said the final state of the man or woman is worse than at the beginning. This is why you can't head down the road of lukewarmness. It's why if the Lord has done something wonderful in your life, you can't head down the road of backsliding and drifting and lukewarmness and doing your own thing and dabbling in sin and playing with sin. Because you'll end off worse off. It's a deadly, dangerous game. Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. Verse 10, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Did you know demons have preferences? And of course they do because there are places where they're more welcome than others. They're not welcome here. They're not welcome in my home or your home. They're welcome in Washington, D.C. That's why they like it. They're welcome in Rome and London and Paris and the cities of the world. That's why they like it. They have preferences. And he begged Jesus again and again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us, permit us to go into them. And what, why is this? They, they didn't want to be sent to the abyss before their time of judgment. As bad as things are right now, the Bible, Peter, speak of the fact that there, there is a place where there are beings locked up that have been held in chains since the foundation of the world, and they are going to be released in the last day. You might say, Austin, that's scary. Yes, so give your life to Christ and live for Christ with all your heart. And yes, we believe that he's coming for us, for his bride, 
without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, and we won't be here for the tribulation because it's going to be ugly. It's going to be awful. There will be beings released that have been held in chains since the early foundations of the world. Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. Verse 13, he gave them permission. So who has the authority? Jesus. And in our lives, we have the authority because he delegated his authority to us. And that's why we, we say all the time, we, we ought not watch things that glorify the devil. We ought not watch things that glorify the power of the devil. You know, there's a new movie coming out about the man that for his entire life was the head exorcist at the Vatican. Now, I've read some articles about him, know some things about him, believer in the Lord, but, but I don't know, I don't need to go watch a movie where, where Hollywood glorifies the power of Satan. All I need to know is the authority that we have in Christ trumps the power of Satan every single time. So I don't, when we get to October, I don't watch things that glorify Satan. I'm not afraid of a dog talking to me. I'm not afraid of somebody acting weird or foaming at the mouth or, or spitting or screaming because the authority we have in Christ trumps all of that every single time because we carry within us the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So he had the authority and Jesus gave them permission. He told them what to do. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. The crazy man who lived naked in the tombs and screamed and cried out day and night and they, they would chain, and chain him and he would break free of the chains. They saw him dressed in his right mind and they were afraid. This was an outstanding miracle. The lunatic, the crazy man, the man no one could control who lived in a graveyard and screamed and cut himself night and day sitting there dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Who cares about the pigs? A man that had been possessed of the devil, living in a graveyard, naked, who cried out day and night and cut himself, and he, he would break free of his chains. He was healed. He was well. He was in his right state of mind. Who cares about the pigs? You know, there are young people going to hell, but parents and family members who care more about their schnauzer than they do an unsaved child or grandchild. Amen. They told about the pigs as well. The people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They had no interest in learning how this had happened. They had no interest in this man or even in Jesus and who he was. They were afraid. And no doubt they were consumed. They mentioned the pigs. They were worried about the pigs. No doubt they were consumed by the economic worry and by the loss of money from 2,000 pigs being drowned. And they're pigs. I don't like pigs per se other than bacon. 
but when you go to the stockyards and see those prized pigs, they're worth a lot of money. The value in the day's money, 2,000 good pigs, hundreds of thousands of dollars. The Decapolis was a predominantly Gentile area. Gadara was the region outside the cities extending down to the Sea of Galilee. So you likely had Jews in the pig business making money off Gentiles. And if they were Jews, they had no business being in the pig business in the first place. Today, we live in a wicked culture that values money and even animals over people. Those 6,000 demons knew their time of tormenting that man had come to an end. And so they said, send us into those hogs. And that's the level of demons, hogs, swine, unclean. And again, how does someone come under the influence of an unclean devil? Going to unclean places, doing unclean things, hanging out with unclean people who are into unclean things. And when we take the kids to the stock show, we see the pigs, it smells. Let's see the pigs, let's see the piglets, let's do this part of the, the experience as quickly as possible. We don't go into the pen, we don't sit down with the pigs, we don't stay with the pigs, we don't hang out with the pigs. How does somebody pick up an unclean spirit? Going to unclean places, doing unclean things, hanging out with unclean people and unclean things. This poor man had been possessed and Jesus set him free. And praise God, Jesus still sets the captives free today. Jesus said, go. He gave them permission. And those 6,000 demons possessed 2,000 hogs and filled them with the spirit of suicide. And they rushed down the hill into the lake and drowned themselves. All the town came out and saw the man who had been possessed sitting there in his right state of mind. They should have been glad. They should have been happy. They should have rejoiced. They should have said, Jesus, how would you like to stay the rest of the week, the rest of the month? But their attitude was, it's all right for that man to get delivered. But if it's going to take our, our hogs or our money or our food, we wish the demons were still in the man. Mark 5, verse 17, the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Today, we live in a wicked culture that values money and even animals over people. Some people care more about animals than they do about people. Some people care more about making money than they do people. An example, doctors today in 2023 making money off of mutilating and maiming children with life-altering permanent surgeries that can never be reversed. And it's not surgery. It is medical experimentation and butchering more horrific and more evil than anything the Nazis ever dreamed of. It's evil, and it is demonic. Amen. And young people who head down that road, they'll never know the joy of a normal life. They'll never know the joy of family. They'll never know the joy of family God's way. They'll, young women who head down that road, they'll never know the joy of motherhood. Young men will never know the joy of fatherhood. We live in evil, wicked days. And these are the days to walk with God. Amen. And these are the days to keep anything that is unclean and anything that is unholy and anything that is unrighteous and anyone into unclean, wicked things away from you and away from your home and away from your family and away from your children. And again, I bring good news because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You might say, Austin, there, there's a part of my life where there is a struggle. 
Austin, there's a part of my life where there is something that is unclean, that has bound me, that I have struggled with. All you have to do is come to Jesus and say, Jesus, set me free. If you go to the cafe, there's a little book in there by David Wilkerson called The Cross and the Switchblade. And every Christian ought to read it. When God called David Wilkerson to the teens and the gangs in New York, he found out early on that no matter what they were bound by, no matter what they had done, no matter what drugs they were bound to, that when those young men and young women were saved and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that once the Spirit of God indwelled them, nothing unclean and nothing of the devil could stay anymore. Amen. We live in days where people aren't ashamed of the devil and living for the devil and worshiping the devil. So we ought not be ashamed of giving our lives wholeheartedly to God and making Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of every single part of our lives. I read in the news recently about a famous performer, musician. She, is, she was known for being very vulgar, even more vulgar than Madonna. That's possible to even believe. But she has been saved. And she has been baptized. And she has been having all the surgeries and things she had done and fillers. She's been having all that removed and undone. And she's shutting down all the inappropriate social media accounts. She's no longer dressing the way she did dress. She's dressing now like a sister in the Lord. That's a woman who has met Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And it scares the world. Saved, dressed, a man or woman in their right state of mind. They were bound, but they have been set free. Jesus said in John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Why don't we say that? Say, I am free. Say, I am free in Jesus. So say, Satan has no hold on me, on my life, on my family. Mark 5, verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, they came, an outstanding miracle. One of the most wonderful miracles in the Gospels. And the people sent them away. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been, I love that, he had been, but he, is, he was no longer. Amen. That's what Paul writes in his epistles. That is what some of you were. You might have been a liar. You might have been a thief. You might have been a murderer. You might have been immoral. But that is not who you are in Christ. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He had been demon-possessed. And he begged to go with him. I would too. Who wants to hang out with those people anymore? He begged to go with Jesus. But Jesus would not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Why don't, why don't we say, say, thank you, Lord for having mercy on me. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell him the Decapolis, the 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people 
we're amazed. You know, I, I never saw it before this weekend. We go to the book of Acts and we brag about Stephen. We go to the book of Acts and we brag about Philip the evangelist with the daughters who prophesy. But here's a man who became an evangelist much sooner and much earlier. He was the man bound by legion. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So this man became an evangelist in a predominantly Gentile area. He was one of the first to bring the good news to Gentiles. So he went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So Jesus said it, this man received it, and then he did what Jesus said do. He went out telling everyone what the Lord had done and how the Lord had had mercy upon him. Please bow your heads. It is not hard to be saved. You might be here today and perhaps you have never asked Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. He's standing at the door of your life. He's knocking. What you have to do is open the door and ask him to come in. And how do we do that? We do that by saying unto Jesus, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me, for I am a sinner. Have mercy upon me. You might be here today and say, Austin, that's, that's me. I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart. I've never asked him to be my Lord and Savior. But you want to today. That's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to ask Jesus to have mercy upon me. That's you this morning. Raise your hand where I'll see it. You might also be here in a time in your life you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know you've not been living for God. You have been doing your own thing and you have paid the price. And it's the same approach. We say, Lord, have mercy upon me, and he will. The Bible says that he separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. The Bible tells us he restores the years the locusts have eaten. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I want to recommit my life. I want to leave today knowing that I have peace with God. That's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand. Raise it to where I'll see it. I'll know you want me to pray with you. For the sake of the young man that raised his hand, we're going to pray. You might be watching or listening online. Repeat this prayer with me. So, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins, and I ask Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. I give my life to you. I give my whole life to you. 
take from my life anything that is unclean in your sight and put within me a heart that loves you and loves your word and loves your house. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're, we're, we're it. Doesn't take PhD, doesn't take great spiritual insight to look at this culture, to look at this world and know it's getting darker and darker and darker and darker. We did a series last year on 1 John. We are to walk in the light as he is in the light. And so we've got to put away from us anything that is unclean, anything that is unholy, anything that is displeasing to God and walk in the light as he is in the light. Revelation speaks of us, the believer, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, having a white garment, a robe, a salvation. The world is inventing new ways to sin. The world is inventing new ways to displease God. And in the midst of it all, we've got to keep it far away because we are to keep that white robe, that white garment of salvation, white and pure, ready to meet the Lord, ready to see the Lord. It's that kind of life that God can bless. It's that kind of life that God can favor. It's that kind of life that has power and has authority.